Welcome to the Season 7 finale of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey! Today we'll be discussing Season 7, Episode 22, which is titled Rampage. The episode aired on May 17, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week? 21 years ago. Actress Jane Fonda and TV mogul Ted Turner divorce after 10 years of marriage, citing irreconcilable differences. Good old irreconcilable differences. One of my my favorite uh, Robin Williams bits was, uh, I'm sorry to report that Jane Fonda and Ted Turner got divorced this year. And he he goes, Jane found God and Ted found out it wasn't him. Uh, Uh, U.S. Senate Democrats gained control of the chamber for the first time since 1994 after Vermont Senator James Jeffords abandons the Republican Party and declares himself an independent. Oh, fuck yes. A Knight's Tale, the adventure comedy starring Heath Ledger, Paul Bettany, and Alan Tudyk debuts but but cannot overcome the mass appeal of mummies and shitty CGI as The Mummy Returns retains its box office crown. Both of these are fine. I love both of them. They both are winners. Do you wish you, if you had to pick one to watch on a desert island, which one would you take? Oh, God. Oh, that's easy. You take Knight's Tale because you can also take the superior original mummy and that's fair. save everyone the trouble. That's there fair. you go. Yep. I, I like that compromise. <laughs> Janet Jackson cannot be stopped as her song, All For You, is still number one. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the two-part episode, the one with Monica and Chandler's wedding. Uh, I'm assuming this is a big deal. Yes, I know this is a big deal. Please don't correct me in the comments. Uh, And then at 9 p.m., another, what I assume is a two-part episode because there was no no 9.30 listing, uh, Will and Grace with the episode Sons and Lovers. It's a night of finales, as you might imagine. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Jonathan Kaplan doing his 19th out of 40 previous ones of his from this season. Whew, boy, get comfy because he is all over season seven. The Crossing, Rock, Paper, Scissors, The Greatest of Gifts, The Visit, and Homecoming. And written by similarly all over season seven, Jack Orman doing his 18th out of 28. Previous ones of his from this season include Sailing Away, The Crossing, Surrender, The Dance We Do, Sand and Water, and Homecoming. And you know what? We're just not even going to do a recap tonight. We're just going to let Peter and Frank sum up the entire episode for us right now. Frank, what's open? Nothing. I got a GSW. Don't make you special today. (laughs) That's one of my favorite lines in the entire series. I miss Troy Evans. I mean, he's still around. I know, like, but yeah, not, he's still, he's still I, not for me. I don't get to talk to him. I, I miss. Oh, sure. I miss talking I mean, to him. I, I get the sense that he's the kind of guy you could probably hit up if you felt like it. Like, he just has. It seems like he's kind of an open book. Okay, we're getting into peak Frank territory. Can I just can I just chat with you for a little bit? But anyway, with that being said, right on the money. Uh, previously on ER is done by Mark and we start with Corday sleeping, sitting up on the couch, holding little baby Ella and Mark sneaks down to put her in her crib and then head to work. It's too stinking cute. It is. It's very cute. Uh, Lizzie does ask him to stay home, says he should just call in sick and spend the day with her. And he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I just want to note, there's some character growth here. Mark is wearing a belt. Call back to season one. I had the same exact thought while I was watching this scene, so I'm glad you pointed that out. I got uh, you. I also want to point out in uh, from the existential crisis department, uh, I'm not sure if it's here or if it's season eight appearances of Ella, but at some point uh, during the first 
this little first uh, part of Ella's existence, uh, Ella Tiberius Green, if you're keeping track of her Christian name, um, she is actually played by Alex Kingston's actual daughter Mm. that she has been pregnant with this whole time. Uh, The same daughter who we now follow on Instagram. So, uh, and is like very much a college student and is like a full fledged adult and is probably the little baby in this episode. So little existential crisis for your Thursday morning. We're old. Speak for yourself. I will speak for everyone. I'm the baby of this show. I'm only 30. Um, but then Lizzie, did you end up getting this as this next part as part of the audio clipper? Okay. And then Mark gets off the train and he's headed over to the ambulance bay and he, at the newsstand, he comes up on a little conversation on American production versus consumerism and how they're tearing down a, what was it? Textile mill or something. Something like that. To build a shopping mall. And you know, nobody makes things anymore. See, I wonder (laughs) if this was block 37 down, I was thinking down that. State I was like, Street. I was like, they mentioned State Street and they're putting up a mall. Now I'm like Googling when Block yeah. 37 went up. <laughs> right. I, like, I love the uh, the construction worker too being like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a doctor. And he's like, bad example. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's devastating to my case. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of devastation, um, let's go to our first audio clip here. We're, we're just going to get a general... We're gonna set the tone, if you will, for the for the day's proceedings here. Mark Lindsley, 12 years old, GSW to the upper left arm. Sister neurosurgeon still intact. Yeah, complaints of pain and paralysis. Can you squeeze my hand, Martin? It hurts. Carter, what happened? Some guy opened fire in a foster care facility. Foster care? Yeah, 12 down. I don't know how many we're getting. Can you feel this? A little. Think about a vascular study. Got it. Mark, Mark, take that one. Go. It's still in me. It's still there. Yeah, we're gonna help you out. Entrance wound only. Palpable in the sub queue. We got this thing. As long as there's no compartment syndrome. I can't breathe. All right, just try to slow your breathing down. Maria Fredrickson, shot in the right groin with significant blood loss. BP is 90 palp. Tacky at 120. Any belly pain, ma'am? No, my leg is cold. Footpulses are diminished. Did they get him? Oh. The man with the gun. I don't know. Did you see him? We were hiding in a closet, but he shot through the door. Put his pale poor capillary refill. Trauma one! Who's who's on for trauma? We're bringing everybody in! Chang, give it two more saline order pre-op labs. Just have an ischemic leg. Get through the surgery first. Dr. Green, we have an eight-year-old girl in arrest. Where was she hit? Shot in the head, intubated for angle respirations, braided down to 30, then lost her pulse. Cable's fixed and dilated. Hey, let's get her happy. Did you just get here? Yeah. Nice way to start. Oh, I was going to call in sick. Sure. So, so yeah, chaos. <laughs> we, we honestly just considered just making less than one page of notes and just being like, <laughs> Mark gets off the train and chaos ensues. Pretty much. And then this... that's, the, that's the episode. Definitely, I would say the most... Um what's the word i'm looking for like the most high octane finale i think we have had to date yes. uh like and we, we we will get into the argument at the end of the episode whether or not uh the end of this episode constitutes a cliffhanger but like this is this is definitely like the most high intensity uh finale we've ever had it's a different uh, not that last season's finale wasn't intense but it's a different kind of intensity like it was personalized intensity because we were so worried about carter this is like a whole different this is like all the greatest parts of like blizzard and exodus and all those like Mm -hmm. crazy mass casualty episodes into the neat little package of a season finale spoiler alert this is my favorite third favorite episode of the entire series so and in large part because of 
fits in all of the mass casualty stuff while still being deeply personal as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah. So that takes us right into the intro, which of course would be bangs. I mean, why would we, you know, as the world's biggest twinkle stand, why would we, uh, why would we go in with here. anything other than bangs on this one? Uh, we come out of that back, uh, back into the chaos traumas, you know, of course are flowing in. One of the only ones that we get a real like name check on is a little boy named Martin. Uh, and he is played by actor Eric Lloyd, who appeared uh, most famously in stuff like the Santa Clauses 1 and 2, uh, and uh, 90s movie favorite Dunstan Checks In. Uh, Did you say he was the kid in mm-hmm. Santa Claus 1 and 2, Lauren? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, kind of was a, like, I would say, like, second or third tier, like, Macaulay Culkin kind mm-hmm. of, like, oh. go, go-to kid uh, yeah. in things in the 90s. Like, he was never quite Macaulay Culkin level, but he was, like, second or third tier. Um, we then see Cleo and Mark working on a little girl uh, suffering from brainstem failure. And we learn that our gunman also shot a gardener. Rude. Uh, yeah, what the hell, dude? <laughs> pretty much all of this is rude, but, like, you know, particularly to go after the gardener. Uh, Chen and Carter are working on the uh, aforementioned young boy from earlier, Martin. Uh, and uh, the boy says that the shooter was mad at the social worker. Uh, they all were coming from a foster home, and the social worker, uh, he was screaming at her uh, before he shot her. I believe this is where we find out, too, that that social worker was DOA. So yeah. Chen asked Carter if he completed her peer review for her application because I guess Chen's back in the running for it now. That's never yeah, they- really made clear. Like, because the last time we talked about this last episode, it was basically that Carrie told her that she was not being considered for it. Chen, you know, made her well-deserved little tirade. And then Carrie was like, yeah, okay, pal, whatever. I've always wondered if this was like, they had an idea for someone who they were going to bring in to the cast as the chief resident for next Mm -hmm. season. But then they they ended up, they like, they couldn't get someone. Hmm. So they... Oh, yeah, Chen's the chief resident. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reconsidered, whatever. It, it, I, I could see, yeah, I could see that being maybe a, a thought just because it does seem like a very abrupt about face where it, from where we were last, just last week to now where it's like, we're not even going to mention the fact that she was told she was out of the running. Now it's like, oh, now she's a shoe in again. Um, a cop comes in and asks for a bullet from a patient. Uh, the cop here, Officer Napolitano. 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 Uh, he is played by actor Peter Honorati, and he appeared in stuff like Goodfellas, the imminently parodiable and mockable Cop Rock, uh, oh, which shit. it was a like, I can't remember if it was a TV movie or if it was like a miniseries or something, but it was a musical cop procedural uh, that was on CBS, I think, maybe. I don't know. I it, It's, they've like made fun of it on, I, they I have just, made f- tremendous fun of it on it was either laser time or 30 2010 like they made they just like eviscerated cop rock i just pictured a pet rock like painted in a cop uniform all right uh he also appeared on jag uh and he is our high watermark actor for the episode 129 credits to his name uh we also see a brief shot of kim working with a panicked social worker uh she requests a cigarette the social worker not kim yeah and then uh kim uh, goes over to the desk and has a little chat with Carrie. So let's listen in. Carrie, I've got a hypertensive social worker, probably just stressed, but you should check it out. Okay, thanks. Hello. Mm-hmm. I read your letter. Yep. 
Good. I was wondering. Dr. Yeah. Gatsby, Dr. Romano, line three for you. Tell him I'll call him back. She's gonna have to call you right back. Anyway, um, can't make her call I appreciate you. the sentiment. Give her the message. Sentiment? He yeah. says for you to get your ass on the line now, he needs to talk to you about a transfer. Frank, she's busy. He should be, too. We could have as many as eight GSWs going Nine, out. Nine, carjack victim. Okay, we're swamped with this. Tell him to divert to Mercy. Mercy said no ETAs, 9 to 10. Why do they bother calling? Um, anyway, thank you. Um, but I don't think that anything's changed. Right. Okay. Okay, I should get back. Yeah. Junie, grab Cleo. The kid she's with isn't going to make it. Gays are not okay. <sighs> Even in the face of so much chaos, this still manages to be so incredibly awkward. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Just like, I want to leave my body. But good on Kim for being clear. Yeah. Yeah. The worst thing that someone, when you're trying to let someone down, the worst thing you could do is be vague. Is be vague. Hmm. For because you for some reason you like you think they're tr you're trying to like save their feelings or whatever yeah like just be like if you're gonna let someone down because you don't because you don't want to be in a relationship with them anymore or at all in the first place just be direct yeah. just none of this wishy washy shit Pe people will bounce back things will be okay hmm. I'm saying this like in general like just for just for life advice for yeah. folks too. Doesn't just apply to the gays. Applies yeah. to everybody. Uh, Mark and Cleo end up calling the time of death on that little girl, Helen. And Mark, as he's, you know, taking his gloves off dramatically, says, someone should have told me that today was gun day. And they bring in a carjacking patient called Mr. Jeffries. And he ha we are warned that he has AIDS. And he warns them to be careful because obviously he's got open wounds and everything. And Mr. Jeffries complains, I was getting out of the car and he shot me anyway. Which, I love this character so much. Yeah. And that is such a like mood to like, that's, that would be the, if, if I was in his shoes, like that would be the thing that would bother me the most too. Of be like, dude, you could have the car. Like I was getting out. Like you yeah. could, like, I was not going to fight you on it. Like, why'd you have to be a dick and also shoot me? Uh, Mr. Jeffries here is played by actor J.E. Freeman, who appears in stuff like Alien Resurrection, Miller's Crossing, and Patriot Games, among others. Uh, and he actually did suffer from and ultimately pass away as a result of AIDS uh, in 2014. So, that sucks. It does. Uh, he does manages to make quite an impression this episode. I really, really enjoyed him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's makeup, but like he looks old in this episode. Yeah. The pallor. Yeah. yeah, so it's impressive that he lived another 13 years, just irregardless of the fact of whether or not he was HIV positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we then go to a really bizarre detour here, which one that I can only... Um one that I can only imagine has to happen because they've already made the decision to fire Carla. Like, and so they, they need to wrap up this storyline without having her on camera anymore. And so they decided to, as uh, Aaron so eloquently put it in his uh, listener response at the end of the episode, remove Roger from cryostasis uh, <laughs> because we haven't seen Roger one, which uh, spoilers, this is the last time we'll be seeing him. Uh, we haven't seen him in a long ass time. Like I would say at all this season, I don't think, I don't think we've seen uh, Roger. Yeah, I don't we've remember. heard, heard mention of him, but we haven't seen him in the flesh in quite a while. Uh, but Roger one just appears out of nowhere in the hallway and 
gives one hell of a right hook to Benton, punches him out in the hallway, uh, because Carla apparently insinuated that something had happened between them uh, right in front of Cleo, and Cleo's given, like, Hall of Fame side-eye to Benton here. Like, clearly not uh, not thrilled with this development. Uh, and this does mark the last appearance of one Roger One. Uh, of course, when we come back next season and we get into all of the custody battle stuff between Roger and Benton, it will be a completely different Roger. Uh, one who looks nothing like they made no effort whatsoever yeah, no effort. <laughs> to try to get somebody who already looked. played a character on this TV show. In yep. Season one. Yep. So we will. He is coming back to life. We will get into Roger two next season. Uh, but that's it for Roger one. Uh, we then see another officer coming in to ask Mr. Jeffries about the shooter. And we learn that it's the same shooter who shot up the foster facility. Oh, goody. Everything's just great is it have we already gotten abby winning the episode like have we already gotten abby saying what is this guy on a rampage or something like there's no, there's a it's, it's, it's in an audio yeah. clip later. okay was this some kind of ramp suicide rampage plot <laughs> yeah. or something yeah no anyway um ignore my bad jokes but luca is working with a patient who needs a chest tube uh it doesn't speak english i'm assuming i think based... it's the gardener yeah the guard yeah, he's working on the gardener um He's talking to Abby about her med school application. He turned it in without her permission. Oof. And he it's like, and she's like, they're gonna come after me for tuition. He's like, I'll cover the tuition. She's like, I don't want your, I don't want your help. Like, ugh. The men in this episode, with the exception of Mark, the men are not okay. Wait, wait, well, what? I don't know. What? <laughs> Memes aside, I don't think Mark's okay either. Okay. I, I mean, I don't. Mm. I think Luca thought he was just being helpful. I think out of all of them, he's the most okay. Especially because they clearly haven't fucking talked about how she doesn't want to go back. So for him, he's looking and he's saying, oh, her med school application. She must have... Oh, sure. The way he presses it later. In the same episode where a guy kills a guy and another guy... uh, uh, Another guy does the I don't want to be friend zoned thing. Yes, uh, Luca is, I guess, the most okay, but it's still like a weird overstep of boundaries, particularly when it seems like things, based on their their words to each other, seems like things haven't been going great between the two of them lately. Like, yeah. they haven't been communicating very well or that much. So it just seems like a weird, like, overstep on Luca's part. Men were a mistake. Sorry, Daniel, you're I have, canceled. I have for, nothing, just for being a man. I have nothing, no defense. Like, I have no defense whatsoever. <laughs> All of the evidence points to Lauren being right. Oh, if, if only I could get that just, like, to play as an audio clip whenever I'm sad. It's just... All evidence I'll, I'll pull it out of this episode right. just for you, baby. Um, but then we go to Carter and Mark reviewing Santa Claus Boys film, a.k.a. Martin's films. Uh, something doesn't look right, so they're going to get some additional tests to see what's going on. Uh, CPD tracked the shooter and the hijacked car to a private residence where a mom and son were shot. Uh, not good. And Romano and Kim are arguing about patient care in the psych ward because Kim says they're not equipped to handle, I think it was, ostomy bags. And mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be responsible for patient complications and everything. So yeah, Romano. It's a psych ward. Yep. So Romano fires her. Oh boy. Fun times. Uh, another little boy is brought in. Ted, uh, he was shot through the neck, and the mom is also brought in. It's the woman from the last episode who brought Ben in. Oh no, Mrs. Shyatovich. And Great turns name. out, turns mm-hmm. out our our shooter 
also from last episode, is one Derek Fawson. Yikes. And he was looking for his son. He was looking for Ben. And after Ugh. after this little bit of exposition, she just she makes the gross like the, the retching noise. The most grossest retching noise and Bruh. vomits out a ton of blood. They say estimated two liters. Yeah, at least two Ugh. liters. For reference, you I think you have like what, like five or six, I think, in your entire I have body. No idea. But uh, I, yeah, some I think it's six or seven. Something like that. I just want to note, again, this entire show continues to be a surprise for me because last episode until about halfway through i completely forgot that this was the whole thing that rampage was about so fuck me i guess like (laughs) yeah i I, I certainly didn't remember that this lady was gonna make a an appearance this episode otherwise i would have made note of it last week but i just completely blanked out on this part of the equation guys i continue to say i am so underqualified to do this show (laughs) approximately five liters is what the average human body holds so Vomiting out two of them is not great. Not well, great. And then uh, Mark is working on Mrs. Shayatovich, and he, while he's doing that, he tells the cop about Mr. Fawson and who it was that actually uh, was doing the shooting. And then Benton tells Mr. Jeffries he needs surgery. Mr. Jeffries says he doesn't want it because he's already dying. Uh, Cleo and Benton at first just kind of, not try to convince him, but just give him more information and... He says he survived much longer than expected, that he got an extra five years, which uh, I didn't think the math checked out on that, but because he said he got sick in like 87 or something and started taking the pills in like, you know, 91, that would have only brought us up to, you know, 96. It's 2001. So I don't know. I could be reading this to ABCD when mm. really they're like they're blurring the lines a little bit of when he got whereas, sick versus when he started taking meds versus when he got his AIDS diagnosis. Yeah. Whereas I remember when we talked about Genie's HIV storyline mm. that right about that time, I forget which of the triple cocktail meds was the newest ones. But like there was a new one like right around that time. Yeah. But I, again, that's not five years from this. So. Yeah, and it might also, too, I mean, he just says that when he got his diagnosed, so it could be that he got he was diagnosed HIV positive in 86 and then didn't become full-blown AIDS until, you know, maybe 91 or something. And yeah, then, and the new medication helped give him another five years. Sure, you know. Anyway, it still doesn't bring us to 2001. It's We're reading way too much into this. Yep. It drives me nuts. But what does Can he you say, tell Lauren? I'm an accountant? Um... He says, I'm already dead, Doc. This may just allow me to skip a very painful end. So he's saying, nope, I don't want treatment. Like, just let me go. And and kudos to them for being able to slip in this, uh, you know, really, like, genuinely heartfelt storyline, even though I do think it goes a little askew later on, which I'll, we'll get into. But, like, I... Th- I Kudos to them for being able to slip in this, you know, otherwise really heartfelt storyline in the midst of all this other chaos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it gives it a bit of a softness. Yeah, it does. So we're going to go back to the chaos. Uh, Mark Romano and Abby are all working on Mrs. Mrs. Shiatovich. And she is she's just a damn mess, folks. Romano can't close the wound because her and her aorta is completely is completely shredded and de- Romano just gives up and they call time of death and Romano w- serves us with the line, "Oh for two and it's not even lunch." If so, like something, I had like a visceral reaction to uh, the the overhead shot of it where they 
they show them all, you know, working on it, Romano trying to find the source of the bleeding and all that. And, like, just the amount of blood that is on his gloves is, like, how is he even, like, able to maintain any sort of grip on any of the tools or anything? Like, like it was just, like, a... It was one of those moments that was just, like, ugh. Like, yeah, A-plus job from the props department and whoever handles the set design yeah or something i don't know yeah but either way kudos to whoever had a hand in making this one as gross as it is absolutely so we then go uh, back over to check in on martin uh carter is explaining the biopsy procedure to him uh might be cancer might just be a cyst could be scar tissue they don't really know uh his mom turns out uh died of cancer at age 35 uh and so you know, Carter's like, well, we'll just see what the test results say. And he says, do you have anybody that you'd like me to call? And he's like, I'm in foster care. <laughs> like, he's like, and I'm between homes right now. So it's like, uh, shit, you know? And yeah. So this kind of felt also too like on a, on a much different scale, but like this felt a little bit like some of the earlier season finales we would have to where, uh, Carter, it, Carter would instead of being involved in the other big thing that was happening, he would get sidetracked by some kid patient. Like I'm thinking of like the one from like season two or three where he's supposed to be going to graduation, but he gets mm-hmm. lumped in, he gets roped into helping the girl. And it just like, you know, it, it reminded me of that. All right. And let's go to our favorite exposition area in the entire ER, the pharmacy closet where Abby and Carter are having a chat. Did she make it? No. It's scary. This guy's on a rampage. They didn't catch him yet? I don't know. They're going to go to his house. So much violence, huh? Were you gonna tell me? Tell you what? Heard a rumor. Oh yeah, good one? Dr. Rosen called. You know, from the emergency department at Northwestern. You took the message? Yeah, he wanted to set up an appointment. Just looking at options. You're leaving? I still have to make up three months of my residency. Well, after that. I don't know. I'm not even being considered for chief resident. <laughs> I have to write this damn peer review for Chen. They're not even talking to me about an attending position. Sometimes you got to read the writing on the wall. Well, have you talked to Weaver about an attending position? No. Why not? Because if she wanted me, she would ask me about it. Maybe she doesn't think you're interested. Maybe I'm not. Carter? Is your cirrhosis patient ready to go to the floor? No, I have to do a paracentesis first. We need the bed. Got it. What's the uh, chest tube output on the gardener? 300 cc's. He's third in line for tally. Still angry at me? I wasn't angry. You seem angry. No, it's my fault. I should have ripped it up. I thought you wanted to go back to school. Well, maybe I do, just not now. What happened? Nothing. You don't want to be a doctor anymore? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. It's $40,000 in tuition. It's lost wages. It's another six years of me killing myself. When it's over, you'll be doing what you want. Maybe I'm doing what I want right now. Yeah, if that were true, you would have never started. Maybe I realize being a nurse is good enough for me. Is it not good enough for you? No, it's fine. Uh, can we start off by saying this whole conversation about the attending position almost mirrors kind of how he ends up being a shithead a little bit later in the episode? Where it's like, well, maybe she doesn't know you're interested. Well, maybe I'm not. And, like, just, like, Mm. dude, you have to communicate this shit. You can't just sit like a little piss baby and assume people are going to tell you 
that you just magically that they just magically want you for a job if you haven't conveyed professionally that that's something you're interested in. Being direct with people also applies Guys, to just everyday life. Fucking communicate. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. Like he's such a just whiny little pissant about it. It makes me so mad. Mm. He has a point, but then No, he, no he doesn't. No, he has a point about potentially reading the writing on the wall so to speak yeah but then loses me when he says oh i didn't even talk to her about it it's never even it's i've never even brought it up yeah like if she had said you know maybe like if you talked to her and she's and she said maybe like we'll we'll revisit it later on then i could see him right like trying to like look at making a move but carter my dude I almost said you're better than this, but is he really? No, he's not. Well, yeah, but- we're also entering into like a particularly gross era of Carter, in my opinion. Yeah, one, one that is not great. One that I don't really think he comes out of until really close to time for him to leave, like for good. So, well, sort of good, you know, even though because he's he never really leaves for good, good. But like, you know, like that just I don't know that he ever like steers out of this skid until it's really close for him to time to be gone. So it's just kind of it's kind of a bummer to think about that we're 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 maybe reaching a point where the like best days of the Carter character may be kind of behind us at this point. I look forward to our talks in season nine about it. <sighs> yeah, I just I also know a lot of people like this who do the same thing with friends, where it's like if they're not going to put the effort in, then I'm not going to put the effort in, and it's like okay, but did you try putting the effort in first at all? Yeah. Or did you just kind of let it die and then blame the other person? Yep. I have no patience for people who do not directly communicate. I am sorry, but I don't. Lauren, I am directly communicating. That is your turn to talk. Cool. Uh, Carrie goes on to examine Ted and says he did a great job. Ted asks if he can see his mom, but Carrie kind of gives a side look at Mark to get an idea of what mom's status is. And she then asks Ted where his dad works, which is very cute. Ted goes, Abisco. Carrie's like, Abisco. Okay, is that a company? He goes, yep, they make binders. And mm-hmm. Carrie's like, okay, I can use this information, I guess. And then uh, she goes over to check with Mark and see what's going on. And Mark tells Carrie that the mom died and that he'll handle talking to Ted a little bit later. Yeah. Oof. And we go into our next audio clip right from there. Uh, Officer Napolitano is asking Mark to confirm Fawson's photo. Dr. Green? Is him? Yeah. He has a record? One arrest. Domestic dispute. He hit his girlfriend. He wasn't at his house? I'll let you know when we have him in custody. What about his son? We tracked down the foster parents. Patrol car's picking him up now. You think he's coming here? What? Well, he was pissed at the neighbor for bringing him to the ER. I mean, you took his kid away from him, right? Right. Thanks, Frank. I'll send in some extra units. Mark. He couldn't come here. He knows there's too many cops around. He hasn't displayed a lot of sound judgment so far. What is he shooting with? Semi-automatic pistol, 13-round clip. He's been reloading. Girl, he picked it up at Kmart on the way over. It's not the guns. People kill Kill people. people. Yeah, right. Only not as fast. He would have found another weapon. 14 shots so far, Frank. Six deaths. You can't affect mass murder with a Chinese throwing star. Rescue 78 coming in with an injured cop. Motors dragged him for half a block. See? There you go. He hit him with a car. That's assault with a deadly weapon. Frank, shut up. 
Oh, Frank. I want I, now. I, I want to clip that out. I want to clip out Frank. Shut up for use over the next eight seasons. I I do love though here that we get a little taste of a retired cop Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a this is a little bit of a missed opportunity. Maybe I'm like giving too much credit to the status of the character Frank at this point. Like, because they really haven't done all that much. I've actually been really surprised no. with how little they have utilized Frank this season. Um, and I feel like this could have been a really cool opportunity to like utilize that character in an, in a, in an interesting way. Like, you know, have like ha- kind of remind the audience that he's a retired cop and that he has something to provide besides just being an asshole at the desk. And like, they have him have this like cool little moment and then they like immediately shit on it. Like when he goes to like, he's given all this like really vital information that the real cop is actually not picking up on. And then they just immediately shit on it by having him go into the, actually it's the people that kill people, not the gun. Like, it's just like, which I get the point they're trying to make because they do it again later with Carter and Chen. They clearly have a point that they're trying to make. And it's at a point that I agree with, but I wish they'd have just waited a pause, like given it a little bit of room to breathe and let Frank have his moment. And then maybe we can have the guns kill people, not people kill people conversation. Give it just a touch of room to breathe is all I ask. Uh, so I, I really do love Carrie's line though. It can't affect mass murder with a Chinese throwing star. <laughs> it's, it, it is an excellent line. It's so good. It's an excellent line. Uh, uh, clearly, she's clearly never played some video games. Well, it depends on whether or not the uh, infinite ammo for things like that is uh, in play. <laughs> like, uh, we go from there to Cleo and Benton looking at Mr. Jeffrey's scans. Uh, Cleo argues on Mr. Jeffrey's behalf because it's his choice uh, to go out this way. Uh, Benton tells Cleo, uh, tries to explain to Cleo what didn't happen with Carla and says, you didn't trust me and I'm just supposed to trust you with regard to Mr. Jeffrey's situation. Uh, Mr. Jeffries doesn't want a blood transfusion, says quite plainly, no thank you. And he says he doesn't have anyone he's worried about calling as he passes. Ah, boy. Not great. Just Benton. Come on, man. Come on, man. Uh, We then... I can say, I I can kind of understand why he wouldn't tell Cleo about that. A, because nothing happened. Right. And... B, I could see I could. It's very much in Benton's character to want to avoid conflict. Oh conflict sure, yeah, like that. But it does go back to what we were saying last episode about like it. There is a little bit of sitcom logic at play here, where it's like this is very easily explainable. And if he'd have just been upfront w- about it from the beginning, then you know, it would have been fine. Kind of see. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah. We then see Mark talking to Ted about his mom, and uh, he says that she's still getting an operation, so it's not being 100% up front with him. Then the cop is brought in from being dragged along by the car. Uh, Fawson is responsible for this, too. And we find out about two more shootings in a, pri- in a private residence, a woman with a woman found down inside. Oh, this can only be fine. Uh, Carrie and Robert are then arguing about Kim being fired, and we learn that he's kind of been building an HR case against her for the past, what was it, three months since those charges were originally filed. Yeah. To which Carrie says she was exonerated on it, but R- Romano says there were plenty of other issues that he's got. So, great, cool, super fine. Love to be gay in the workplace in the early aughts. <laughs> uh, 
Halle says the woman who was shot was, in fact, Adele Newman. No! Our resident social worker that we've been seeing a lot of this season and who, the one who took away Ben from Derek Fawson last episode. Mark's working on her, and she can't feel her legs. She was shot in the mid-back. Carrie and Romano both join in. Romano, Romano, to his credit here, he clearly cares and is trying to get her cleaned up as best as possible. Like he yeah. recognizes that it's once that it's one of their own, and they're gonna he's gonna do absolutely everything possible. And he's not gonna joke, crack jokes about it or anything. He's not gonna be a wise ass about it. He's just gonna get the get to fucking work about it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was like, and she's, and she says, how do you know where I lived? And Romano, Romano, you know, very plainly states, you can find anything on the internet these days. And which a great musical cue, just like the, oh shit moment. Yep. Bum, bum. Yeah. So that where Mark is like, no, you need to get to my house right the fuck now. Like you need to get the police over to my house right now and find and find Corday and Ella Tiberius Green. They, you, <laughs> and they try calling. Her, they first they first they try calling her, and she's not answering the phone. And then it goes to commercial. Oof, 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 oof. Uh, well, we come back from the commercial. They're still working on Adele. Uh, she says she was sitting at her desk doing her bills when he burst in. Uh, Lizzie is not answering the door at home and Mark asks for them to search the house uh, even if it means breaking down the door uh, Romano says they're going to do an emergency laminectomy and Romano suggests they page Corday that's another underrated through line of this whole chaos this whole thing is the like understated ways in which Romano is a both a trying to help and be clearly very concerned about Lizzie's well-being mm-hmm. like he is clearly just as upset if not more so than than Mark is but is you know going about it in his own way and uh, it's just you know it's nice to see uh, cops do uh, make entry to the green home with a just delightfully purple uh like color scheme on the front of the house like they got like, I like it. oh no i like it too it's just like it's one of those little details that we've never really gotten a chance to to see before uh it looks like a lovely little house um but the cops are going through the door. house yeah with a broken front door now because the cops uh do make entry no sign of lizzie uh so mark is all the more worried uh mr jeffries is starting to fade benton wants to take him upstairs Cleo won't consent to the surgery as she's respecting his wishes. Benton needs another uh, another doctor to sign off on the consent uh, to be able to take him up. Uh, even tries to get Romano involved, but he's, of course, busy. Uh, cops jump when they hear Lizzie's pager beep inside the house. Uh, then we also learn that Adele's spinal injury is incomplete, so they are able to operate. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember if this ends up being permanent for her character or not. I believe it does. I think it does, too. And I just, like, it's one of those, like, Mandela effect things of, like, I could talk myself into either reality, and I just can't remember. I'll say this. Fucked if I know. (sighs) That's you with this entire show. Yep. Here for the moxie, not for the knowledge. Yeah. I, I I have it in my memory that she that of her in being involved in storylines in a wheelchair. I so. I kind of do too. I kind of do too. So I'm talking myself into seeing it. So I'm just gonna stop while we're ahead. Yeah. Then we see Benton. He gets a secondary signature from Romano because Benton 
Just fuck Benton. Let it go. Let it go. Cleo scolds him and argues for Mr. Jeffrey's rights once again. He's and Benton's like, I got my second signature. He could have he told he he totally could have had a uh, an HIV induced encephalopathy. So he not in his right mind. Mm. Trying to trying to justify going against the dying man's wishes. Uh, as they're arguing, she has a vial. Of, she has a vial of blood that she's gonna that she took and is gonna bring for more te- good for more t- tests. And her hand gets slammed by a door, and with the vial of Mister Jeffrey's blood breaking. Remember, Mister Jeffrey's is HIV positive, mm-hmm. and she did in fact cut herself. So Benton immediately calls for a post exposure kit, and Abby helps her wash the wound. Two things about this: the way the way they sorry no no go ahead. I was gonna say the way they reveal, like do the peeling back to yes. see if she actually did cut herself is so good because it's like they take the glove off, they wipe away the blood that like you know leaked mm-hmm. from the vial, and then all of a sudden you just see little pinprick of blood come out from her skin mm-hmm. and it's like ah shit which how did they do that yeah i don't know either i i I'm, almost feel like they maybe had to give her like a little pinprick in the the hand in order to yeah because like i just can't figure out how else they would have done that especially in this you know age where we've seen we've all seen the mummy returns the cgi ain't that good fam <laughs> like they can't yeah. do that yet so like you know they clearly well, had to do like, it some kind of practical on, way on the hand, you can't really do the fake wound kind of stuff the same way you can do everywhere else because, you know, your palm is so detailed. Right. It's not like you can just, like, slap some uh, liquid latex on it and put a little packet underneath. So, yeah. I don't know. I, that just fascinated me with how they did that. Yeah. I'm And I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm a huge fan of this, the way that's shot and the way that moment is, like constructed and and they they build the tension with it and everything my only like critique of the whole thing is that i don't really feel like this was necessary like i don't really feel like this little detour and little wrinkle in the storyline was necessary like I f- it felt to me a little tropey that like every time we have an aids patient we have to have somebody you know oh there was an accidental kind of scare yeah there was an accidental exposure and like you know not to like put too fine a point on it but we've already had one benton girlfriend come down with hiv okay like we're not like <gasps> we're not they're they're so obviously not gonna do that again like especially if they're not going to invoke the name of Jeannie Boulet, they're certainly they're sure as hell not going to do it. So like, why even bother? Like, why even bother? Is my question. It's not like it needed it. I think the big, the only reason they do it is it's like they're like, okay, how can we get off the rails for this argument that they're having? How can we recenter the two of them? Right. That's the only thing I can think of because the minute this happens, they're both like shit. Yeah, Benton is immediately like immediately goes into Good guardian mode. Yeah. yeah, guardian mode. That's the only thing I can think of with why they would have done this. Yeah, so I don't know. That like I said, it's my only kind of minor critique of the whole thing is just like I mm-hmm. feel like it was a little unnecessary, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's still this is third character this has happened to at least. I mean, Jeannie had her had her run ins. Uh, Carol Carol had her run in, uh, and I. Wouldn't be surprised if there's another one in there that we're forgetting. It feels like a thing yeah. that they go to a lot. Yeah. But it feels like we haven't had one in a while. No, they de- they true. definitely have like eased up off of AIDS and HIV as a plot device, uh, especially you know honestly since Jeannie left and like it's so it's it's not that they could never do a storyline with that ever again. It's just like 
you know they're not going to do it under the same circumstances that they did it before. It's not going to be mm-hmm. tangentially related to Benton. It's not going to be another black female doctor that they give it to. Like, so it, it's just, you know, to me, it, it when you remove kind of the suspense of it all, it just mm-hmm. feels very kind of empty for me. But yeah. Uh, but then we go over to Carrie. Uh, she's telling Adele what her prognosis is and, Adele asks, there's a chance that I may still be paralyzed, like, after surgery. And Romano's just like, not if I can help it. And he's, like, slapping on his gloves and hitting the elevator button to take her upstairs. So Romano's looking out for his own. So I I did a little crowdsourced research on this. Um, We are – it's – like with most things, it's a mixed bag. Like, we are remembering correctly that she will pop up again at some point in a wheelchair – um, but what I didn't realize is like how close we are to losing her as a character overall. She, oh, wow, really? she only has five appearances left. Uh, one, oh. one of which is in the season eight premiere and then she's gone by 2003, which she was never like a, she was never like a, um, a super, super recurring character. She's somebody they would trot out like maybe once or twice a season. Whenever you want to do a child. Abuse yeah. Like life. she's not somebody that it's going to be like this great void when she leaves, but um, I didn't realize I, for some reason I had it in my head that we were going to have her for much closer to the end. Like I was thinking maybe like Oh five Oh six, but it's uh, actually 2003 is when her last appearance is. So, but shout out to uh, our lovely listeners on the discord who helped me out with the research on that and told me that I was not crazy and that we do actually see her on screen in a wheelchair after this at some point. So this does end up being permanent. I didn't even see those notifications pop up on my phone, Daniel, you little wizard. Anyway, um, the cops still haven't been able to locate Lizzie. The van is still in the driveway, and Carrie suggests uh, they keep a unit there until she gets home, just so that way, you know, she can stay protected if Fawson makes his way over there. Uh, Lydia says Ted is starting to figure out what happened to his mom, and she can't get a hold of his dad. And uh, our favorite uh, pathologist from the morgue, in a, a bob haircut now instead of her normal short hair is up uh, giving Carter a, a presumed cancer diagnosis for Martin. Um, good catch, Lizzie. I didn't even notice yeah. this, that this was her. So, uh, what? Yeah, why is she up here giving this diagnosis? Uh, it's, it's like a rare form of cancer, I believe. Yeah. Listeners smarter than us, please. I, I cannot make heads or tails of this. Like, what? What a weird, bizarre fucking spin the wheel and pick the recurring character uh, moment this is like, and I and I think we've talked about this in the past that like, uh, oncology is not really a department that they ever delve that deeply into because it's not really one that lends itself very well to emergency. Like oncology is much more of a like mm-hmm. ongoing thing, so they they never really establish a presence in oncology the way they do with like cardiology or OB mm-hmm. or, you know, the morgue, like they never really as- uh, uh, ascribe like somebody who is like, this is the oncology person. Mm-hmm. And so I could see why if you needed something for this, they could have just kind of spun the wheel and been like, but, but in that, in that case, like just pick a rando off the street, like just not morgue lady, not morgue lady. Exactly. Like I was just, I was so, I was both happy and completely confused to see her pop up. And I was just like, what, why? I could, I could make, I could make a squiggly line to where she might be the one to show up here. But, and like two on a, on a like, completely unrelated note, my question is if you're going to use that lady, 
let her fucking talk. Like, why are her whole thing is her voice? Like, what? Don't just have her show up on screen and like point at stuff and then walk away. Like, if you're gonna, you know, go to that well, like, let her talk. At least let her do the interesting thing. It's like letting Michael Jordan go on the court, but he can't shoot. Like, just it's just dumb. Oh, and then from there, Mark tells Ted very, very well, very gently that uh, his mom passed away, even though the best doctors were working on her. They just couldn't do anything about it. Um, And Benton brings Cleo her uh, post-exposure exposure. Thank you. Post-exposure kit. And he tries to calm her down regarding the odds of potential infection while Abby's continuing to irrigate the wound. All right, and uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Carrie has one last talk with Kim. I'm surprised my code still works. It's not going to happen, Kim. What is it? They, they can't let you go, not legally. No, they always intended to fire me. They would have done it sooner if they could have, but they needed to build up a nice, thick human resource file first. Which is completely bogus. I'll never get away with it. They already have. Only if you let them. It's not worth the effort. I'm really not interested in working for a place that doesn't want me here. No, you have the right to due process. We we, we can find a, a civil rights attorney. We? It's not right, Kim. You know why they're firing you. You have to fight it. You have to fight this. I'm supposed to fight. You're hiding, but I'm supposed to fight. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't want to fight. I just want to move on. So should you. I mean, I get it. Yeah. She's got a point there, Care. Like, why work somewhere that clearly hates me? Right. And and the only other person that could conceivably be on her side with everything and, like, is not willing to go to the same lengths that she is, like, is yeah. not there That's yet. That's why I honestly, one of the things, like, you see sometimes, like, with, like, employment law cases, like, that get publicized sometimes I, w- I truly wonder why the person would want that specific job back and why they wouldn't just sue for damages. Yeah. Like I could see like there being like a situation, situational thing, like, Oh, it's a really good job, but you know, you have to soon- work with these people. Yeah. You still have to work with these people that fucked you over the first time. Yeah. Why would you want to do that? I mean, I'm sure at a cer- I mean- on a certain level, I'm sure there's a principle involved. Like, it's, it's yeah. just look at, saying fuck you. Look at Jeannie earlier on. She did this exact thing where she ended up fighting and, like, kicked ass against Carrie and came back. Yeah. Even though, like, Carrie was being difficult with her. Yeah. So. <sighs> a, I think this is a bit of a different situation. And, oh, oh of course it is. But, I mean, it's, it is it is still a marginalized group and, like. That's true. Yeah. It's, it's still a highly prejudiced situation from, you know, like. HIV positive in the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Still. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just, it's, it, one was, one was in under the guise of a layoff, and this one was just a petty ticky-tack firing. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, this does uh, represent the final on-screen appearance of Kim. Uh, she uh, apparently takes her own advice here and just decides to move on with her life. And She will go on to be a space pastor in, on The Expanse. so good. And uh, in the Santa Claus 2. 
the, yes, the connections uh, abound with that movie. Does this mean the nope. Santa Claus 2 is an nope. ER? Damn it. Um, I'm, so, uh, quick, like, summing up of the Kim Legaspi character uh, and her brief uh, time on the show. I uh, was found myself a little surprised, as I often am, as we often are, at how overall kind of insignificant she felt. Like, I kind of had... And maybe I'm, like confusing her with other characters we'll get later on but like to me like it felt like she was gonna make much more of an impact in her brief time on the show to where it was like not not to say that she had no impact at all because in the in the few moments of like brilliance she does have they're really good but i feel like there was a lot of time where she was just like set dressing like she was just in the background whereas i would argue that she made one of the biggest impacts out of any side character we've seen thus far okay yeah because she changes character carries oh well yeah sure no no from that perspective absolutely i I guess i'm more i'm more just talking about her contributions and her uh like things that affect but she's like you said she's a side character she's there to she's there to affect other people's storylines not necessarily her own but i get i get what you mean from that perspective but i still think she was a good character to have maybe not a great character i don't because they could have done they certainly could have done more with her yeah but i like what we have and i think wanting more is one of the better things you can say about a character yeah i don't know that like and i'm left wanting more i i don't know what the like original intentions were for that character necessarily or just or just elizabeth mitchell in general but like i definitely feel like she's somebody that if they would have had a do-over on i feel like they would have found a way to keep her around for at least another season or so just just, maybe and maybe it doesn't work out in the same way like maybe she's not playing the same character or doing the same exact things but it's like that actress i think was a very good fit for the show's environment oh yeah i love that actress i love any i love her when she pops up and yeah anything go watch the expanse actually yeah that one i can support (laughs) Uh, but we then see Mark calling his neighbors looking for Lizzie. Uh, cops say that Fawson was taken down in a park by a civilian. Uh, always the good guy with the gun, right? Love to live in uh, Mark calls Cleo into the trauma of a cabbie. Uh, cabbie was shot, likely driving Fawson to Mark's house. Uh, was shot when he heard Fawson's description on the radio. This is, of course, all kind of assumed dot connecting by the cops. Uh, means that Fawson never made it to Mark's. So, well, the last address in the cab was well, to go to yes Mark's. Yes, home. we mean why he was shot, right? Ah, okay. And why Fawson ended up on foot? Gotcha. I was like, because they make it pretty clear he was. Yes, he was. Mark's he was house. headed there. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So, everyone ready for Carter to be an extra shithead? Uh, mm, I I've I've already had a day. Can I just not? I mean, you can just kind of tune out the. You already, I mean, you already put your thoughts in the notes. Well, I, I need to know specifically what I'm yelling at him for. So all right, let's listen to him and Abby talking along the river walk. Is that a record number of gunshot wounds for one shift? By the same guy, absolutely. He has a good chance. Like you said, you found it early. No, it's more that he has to go through it alone, you know, as if having cancer as a kid wasn't bad enough. He could get passed over for chief resident. That's true. Or he could get kicked out of med school and be forced to work as an ER nurse. It's not kicked out. Or really, what would you call him? Suspended for being a deadbeat. Hmm. Do you know you offered to pay my tuition? Who? Luca. And I know he means, well, it's just frustrating for me sometimes because I have to explain my every feeling to him. And normally when you're with someone for a while, they get to know your moods, but he doesn't you know do what? that. 
Don't stop it. What? Don't talk to me about Luca. I'm not your girlfriend. And I shouldn't really even be here with you. Why not? Because I don't want to wish bad things for you and Luca. And I don't want to sit on the sidelines waiting for you two to break up. And I don't want to be your friend. It might be convenient for you, but it's not doing much for me. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, Carter, what are you talking right? about? That's a very good question, Abby. Holy shit. Like if This just, like, it's been kind of, like, presumed that they have chemistry and that Carter has feelings for her and led to one this that and the other thing but carter i think you're taking my advice of be direct with someone maybe work on the context a little bit this is so be like just work in some like hey i've been having these feelings for you and here's why i think we should distance ourselves and maybe don't, don't sound like quite such a dick about it the the part so first off i'm not your girlfriend makes me just irreparably mad just uh-huh within 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 yeah. itself but then when he says like i don't want to wish bad things for you and luca i don't want to wait for you to what break up he so- thinks he's being right nice. what a sociopath he, like no no because i'm gonna say this uh i have i'm trying to think how to phrase this I have dear, dear friends from high school that I was absolutely smitten with. That's, like, actually, like, my six best guy friends. I had a crush on all of them at one point. They know. We're great. But every time I had to watch them be in a relationship, I would have never pulled this shit. That's why we're all still friends, because I'm not a fucking sociopath. This shit, when people pull this, makes me so mad, because if I can deal with it as an emotionally volatile 16-year-old, man the fuck up, Carter. Right. And, like, what is the... Put on your the, put on your big boy suspenders and fucking deal. What is the end game with with a conversation like this too? Like, does he expect that she's just gonna be like, "Oh my god, you're right. Like, I love you. Let's go do it in the river right now." Like, it's That's just exactly like exactly what what is the what is his presumed like? He took he took our be direct advice and took it completely the wrong way. Yeah. It's just like I want to drown him in the river after this. Like, oh. I I hate this is. This right here is a 90 second clip of why if you don't like Carter as a character, this, this is, is why. This is a 90 second fucking crash course in why John Carter MD sucks because this this uh, is bad. Like this is like this is And and it's so like I talked about it I think one or two episodes ago where it was like you could feel this very sort of transparent creative shift where it was like okay, like we we're making a decision here, we are planting our flag in in Carter Abbey land and and we're done with with Abby Luca. And, like, this feels like another example of that where, like, this is, like, this is the writer's room working backwards onto the screen because it's, like, like Lizzie said, they've kind of, like, alluded to a little bit of, like, something maybe if you squint really hard. But, like, certainly nothing to justify this whole, like, diatribe that he goes on about being long-suffering and that, and like you said, Lauren, the, the fucking girlfriend comment is so infuriating. I don't know why that makes it so much worse. Oh, because it, it's, because like, right out of the fucking, like, incel playbook. Like, it's right out of that fucking sh- horse shit where it's, like... It's... it's- you're not allowed to have feelings with me unless we're fucking. Exactly. Like I'm not. I'm no. not getting the requisite uh, physical benefits out of this relationship. So therefore, I'm not interested in your problems. Like, I. Hey, listen. I, 
I am your girlfriend and I am interested in your problems. Cool. I just like I am your problems. So. I and I've really tried cool. super hard like because I know there's a lot of uh, the, the, Carter is one of those characters that like engenders a lot of strong emotions, both positive and negative. There are people who love Carter and there are people who fucking hate Carter. And like I feel like I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt for the most part, but this is a really bad example. Like this is a really fucking bad moment. Uh, and I just I know it's not going to get any better for a while and so it really bums me out that like we're going to th- this sort of like feels like right after Mark got beat up in the bathroom where it's just like ah oh, like this this is the beginning of such a bad stretch for this character that like I don't know that I want to sit here and go through this aren't you ready for Carter and Susan oh god okay that, I, uh, no, I, I actually am. That's... I'm going to say this. I hate that less than I hate this moment. Oh, sure. I, no, I hate I, that a lot less yeah. than I hate this moment. I, I've had root canals I hated less than this moment. But, like, I, like, I don't know. I just. Uh, I also, I also actually shipped Carter and Susan back in, like, season I'm honestly, two, like, I, I don't know if it's just happened, morbid so. curiosity or maybe it's just, like, getting to see an old friend after so long. I'm excited for Susan to come back. Even if her, for, even yeah. if her initial haircut when she comes back is stupid and they do nothing of consequence with her character, I'm still excited to be able to see her again after a while. You know what? She brings Donald Logan yep. to our lives. Amen. I, I guess good news, Fawson has brought in he's very combative and yelling at the doctors and this is the only time in this episode we can do this whose films are those uh mark and luca are working on him and mark should not be in this room mark puts a med order in for paralytics so they can actually work on him because he's continuing to fidget and they need to you know fucking take care of him some really excellent camera work oh Oh, my god it's so scary it's so fucking scary and then uh carter tells Martin about the cancer, but tells him to be optimistic because it's 70%, not 30%. Let's focus on the 70%. And as he's walking out of the room, Martin goes, well, where am I going to live? Oh, yeah, there's that. So Carter says, I don't know. I'll get back to you. We don't hear anything <laughs> no. else. Um, we'll get back to you next season. As as Carter walks out, he sees Mark in the other room walking on Fawson. He looks a little worried about this. Duh. Uh, he goes over to ask Chen if that's the guy that did all the shootings and she says yes and she is working on the civilian that caught him who sounds like a little bit of a sociopath in and of himself because he's like they taught us at the range to aim for center mass and you know i took him down and if it wasn't for me he'd still be out there hurting people and you know it was i i got mugged there last year and i'm never going without protection again and Carter's like, yep, we should arm the whole city. Yeah, I do. I do like that. Even in the midst of everything that's going on, the the writers do take the opportunity to to plant a flag firmly in the like, shut up, man. Like just like yeah. <laughs> both with Frank and with this guy, I'm just like, shut up. Like just because you you know you you got lucky this time doesn't mean that you have a larger point to make here. And plus, if you believe some Republican talk uh, talking heads. Everyone in Chicago is armed already, and it's just a war zone. Chirac. God. Uh, but Carrie calls Carter in for another trauma, and he finished Chen's peer evaluation, all fives, claims he had to lie. I did, that was a cute little line. Good little good little friendship glimpse between Carter and Chen. See, he's capable. He's capable yeah. of having a normal, well-adjusted relationship, uh, platonic relationship with a female co-worker. Yeah, clearly it can be done. Does he ever do? You, does he? He doesn't ever make a move on no, Chen, right? no, no, no. But they also kind of like 
don't do as much with the two of them after that like you know like they start to kind of like drift apart you know after a certain point because like i would argue that she's one of the bigger uh her being chen in this case i would argue that chen's one of the bigger omissions from the uh, series finale like she's one of the bigger people that you feel like in the grand scheme of things probably would be there for carter and just isn't like so uh, but then uh, we go over to Luca and Mark working on uh, Fossen. Uh, the final tally is 19 shot, uh, eight or nine dead. Yeah, that's that's they say eight, eight or nine. nine so, because uh, yeah, they're 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 baffled that he's gonna live. Yeah, yeah. For now, uh, Lizzie uh, then finally calls in to Mark in the ER, and she was at the farmers market the whole time. Like she doesn't know what all this fuss is about. Uh, says she came home and found the door busted in and, you know, all this stuff. And so this was a really, uh, like, it's just like the way this episode, and I don't know if this is intentional or not. What? Thank you, Daniel, for pointing this out to me. Cause I was staring. Yeah. Once you texted us. Like, this. I, I, I have so. no idea if this was intentional or not, but like the way this episode builds the tension so much throughout the episode, like you're constantly worried about Elizabeth and where she's at and all this stuff. And so she's on the phone with Mark and she's, Describing what happened. And mind you, the whole time they're having this conversation, Fawson is on the gurney, shot, in the ER. Not a threat. No longer a problem. And yet, the way they have it framed, uh, Lizzie's on the phone with Mark, and over her shoulder, coming down the stairs, are this is this pair of legs that just starts coming down with, like, <gasps> no attention being drawn to it. And, yeah, I let out, like, a weird noise. I was like, whoa. Like, it was just, like, <laughs> because it, it has this, like, intense horror movie framing where it's like it it almost feels like it would have been better out of focus in the back yeah it feels like it would have been better placed before we find out that Fawson has been injured and brought in it kind of reminds me this is a weird spot to put it in too many cooks not the first time you watch that youtube video but when you've watched it enough that you know to look for the the guy in that the creepy guy Daniel, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nod movies. my head like I know exactly what we're talking about. I'm gonna send you the link after we're done. But once you know to look for him and you start seeing him earlier and earlier in this fucking video, it's horrifying, and it's just the framing of it. Yeah. And so, so yeah, yeah I, I just absolutely. have I have no idea. So you know, to to put a put a pin in it, like it's you know, it, it's a cop in the background. She asked the she asked the cops to like stay with her because she you know come came home to find her door kicked in. Um, but like, I don't know if it was intentional to frame it that way or if it was just kind of a happy accident, but like, it was this really like tense, suspenseful little moment here while she's on the phone with Mark, even though the guy that we've been afraid of this whole time has already been shot and is on the table, but it was just this really like intense moment there. Yep. And let's go to our final clip, audio clip of season seven. Uh, excuse you. Yes. Excuse you. From, second to last. Oh, excuse. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I forgot. Daniel added something bonus in, like just like I added something bonus in, in the beginning. Um, but yeah, for my money, top five carry moments <laughs> in the entire series. Top five carry scenes in the entire series. I I we had somebody talk about this being her uh her rant, and I had no idea what rant it was, and then it came on, and I was like, ah, yes, <laughs> yes. Excellent. So let's so let's listen in. Uh, it's, it's, her, it's her and Romano. Keep the dopamine at 10 mics. I want neurochecks, 230 minutes, and a CBC in an hour. Any clear contusion? No, mainly an extrinsic hematoma. Did they find Elizabeth? She's fine. Oh, good. What about her paralysis? I asked me in 24 hours. What's this? GSW to the renal parenchyma. Marge, 0R2. We got another customer. I'll be right back. 
Robert, I need to talk to you. Yeah, sure. Anything but McGaspy. You're making a mistake. Look, my main mistake was not firing her three months ago when I first found out. Found out what? That she's incompetent. That's not what you were going to say. Oh, oh, really? Well, in addition to your finely honed diagnostic skills, you're a mind reader now. You're trying to get rid of her because she's gay. Oh, of course I'm not. That would be wrong, or at least politically incorrect. I want to get rid of her because she's a pain in the ass. Like Maggie Doyle was? Okay, Carrie, let's stop right there. And avoid your history of discrimination. If you don't rethink this, Robert, there's a good chance you'll be the one out of a job. Dr. Legaspi has demonstrated not only poor judgment, but a reckless attitude towards her patients, contempt for her colleagues, and a blatant disregard for authority. She's out, she's fired, end of discussion. If she goes, I go. What? You hurt me. Are you giving me an ultimatum, I Karen? swear to God, because Robert, that sounded like I an ultimatum to me, and I do not respond well to ultimatums. You had better choose your battles very carefully. You're the chief of emergency medicine, not the county's lesbian advocate. That's where you're wrong, Robert, because I am both. I am the chief of emergency medicine, and I am a lesbian. And if you pursue this matter any further, I will take it to the county board of supervisors, the ACLU, the press, and anyone else who will listen. So I suggest you choose your battles very carefully. I fucking love Carrie Weaver. Uh, uh, this is one of the biggest badass moments of hers. Maybe the biggest. And just her reaction afterwards of just like, oh my god, what did I just do? <laughs> At, to the like to the most hostile person possible. Like you don't come out like Romano's the first person <laughs> she fucking comes out to. It kills me. Also, there's something that elevates this scene just that much more that she just follows him into the fucking men's room without even thinking about it as they're arguing and just comes out to him in the middle of the men's room as he. I don't know if it's as he's washing his hands. He's or washing what, his hands. But I want to note like you hear a zipper at some point in that <laughs> scene, so that means he was about to just go pee, and then she just kept talking to him and he washes like. It, it just, it kills me that she just does this in the fucking men's room. It's like when Benton followed him in <laughs> earlier on. And it's just like, what's with people chasing Romano into bathrooms? I, mean, I don't know. But, but, just, but Carrie, just damn. Yeah, but don't fuck with Carrie Weaver, MD, Ooh. Chief of Emergency Medicine. No, that's where you're wrong because I am both. <laughs> Eat it. And we get a Maggie Doyle mention off the top rope. Yes. Like, I love, that's one of those things that like, they love to like piece that shit out on you where like they will, they will go out of their way. Like, in this episode, for example, there's a perfect opportunity, uh, you know, wa when Benton is watching Cleo go through what she's going through, there's a perfect opportunity there for him to uh, for him to get into um, his history with Jeannie. And like, I've been through this before. I've seen this before. I've, you know, like this is whatever. But they're not going to do that. Like they, they would never bring that up. They would never bring that up in that context. But somebody like a Maggie Doyle. That works for the story that wasn't that significant of a character, like boom, whip a little like shared continuity on you just to like as a treat. Like, I just I love that because that's the last fucking time they're ever gonna mention Maggie Toil on this show. So, like, enjoy it. Yeah. That is the last time she's busy in Las Vegas, uh, cleaning up semen off of stuff. But, uh, yeah, Jesus Christ, but yeah, so I, I just I love everything about this moment. It's great. I'm sorry, I'm just basking in the satisfaction of that. Just sit with it. Oh, you you took the last piece of the episode? Oh, yeah. yeah we're, <laughs> As if there was ever any we're doubt. Gonna let, we're going to let Lizzie go off on yep. this? All right. So <laughs> our final sequence of this episode and of season seven itself. Uh, Halle, Mark, and Luca are wheeling Derek Fawson into the elevator. Mark sees Ted as they wheel him over. Uh, Luca stays downstairs to work on something else. And uh, Derek uh, starts to like writhe on the 
presumably arrive on the uh, the gurney. I, why couldn't I think of that? Anyway, um, and Hale has to go grab the drug box because they need more paralytics, mm-hmm. and she presses a button that isn't one of the floor buttons, but the elevator starts closing the door. The elevator doors start closing pretty much as soon as she leaves. Yeah, like, I don't know if it was theoretically the hold button that she was supposed to have pressed or what, but the minute the doors closed, this was something that I was staring at because I noticed it wasn't a floor button that she pushed because this is me we're talking about, (laughs) and all of a sudden, um, you see the the floors start to go up on the little display, and it's like, but nobody pressed a floor. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Carry on. (laughs) Of note here, Mark is all alone with Derek Fawson. The one the that was the woman. The man We don't know. The man, the person who was going it who was going to kill his family. Yep. His wife and newborn child. Was on his way to murder Oof. his wife and his newborn child. And he starts coding. And Mark starts to do the thing he like he gets the he gets the conductive gel to shock to shock Derek, you know, back into a normal rhythm. Um, he's wide awake during all of this, FYI. So he was gonna a he was gonna shock shock a man who was wide awake, um, which is already <laughs> semi problematic. Yeah, but you know, to save his life, sure, why not? Um, but he charges as he charges up the paddles. He fires them without putting them on Derek's chest. And then he does it again. Lizzie's smiling. <laughs> it's and an then excellent he does it it's again. An excellent moment. Like it And the you they keep flipping the camera like closer in on Mark's face, closer in on Fawson's face, closer in on until all you see is Derek's eyes, pretty much, in the final final time you see him. And then it's just a little bit more wider out of Mark just with the paddles just goes chunk and that's the end of season seven. Oh, yes it is but before we talk about react before we talk about anything else i just want to note in this elevator there is a sign and it says aids walk 1999 it was driving me nuts the whole time and it took me out of the moment because it's 2001 canonically it's a county hospital do you really think they give a shit i don't care it drove me nuts sorry okay so so Mark literally kills yeah, him. Yeah, and, yep, and this has been a bone of contention, not only for, you know, fans of the show at large for a long time, but <laughs> but also, you know, one Jake Terrell Esquire, who is, uh, you know, <gasps> our So on very short notice, uh, I got both his reaction to this moment and then our immediate response to his reaction to this moment. He's a murderer. I'm here to tell you right now. We don't care. Let me tell, right, let me tell you. Something. We don't care. Jerry. <laughs> you know what? I am here to tell you. I don't care. I love this. I love this. This makes for such excellent television. And just as a moment, this is perfection. I love this. If Mark, you know, if Mark was ever justified in killing someone, if a doctor was ever going to justifiably kill someone and make it look like an accident. Or make it look like an unfortunate circumstance, and just by God, as a this is that as moment. a season ender too. Like what a moment! Yeah. Like with the the, the timing yeah. with the with the the paddles firing and the cut to black. Like it was just like 
The only thing that annoyed me watching on the copy I was watching, which, you know, might just be a, a function of that, is that it went immediately to the credits and the freeze frame and the thing. I wanted like a Breaking Bad style thing of like where it just lets you sit with it for a minute. And it's just like, yeah, that just happened. Like kind of thing. Like yeah. ours, it took like a few, it took a couple. Mine was seconds, like instantaneous. Like I wanted. Yeah. Ours had a little bit of breathing room. On I just, oh my God. Like. What a what a way to end a season! Like what a and you know like we were talking about earlier we we touched on I can't remember if that was on last week's episode or lounge we we record entirely too much, um like, I think you can make the argument even though they are going to do a woeful amount of follow up to this like they're really not going to follow up on this very much next season but I'm trying to put myself in the headspace of watching this in 2001 when it was new. This, to me, qualifies as the first time ever in seven seasons of the show that they've ended the season on a cliffhanger. Because, to me, this feels like that's they're going to have to follow up on that. Like, this doesn't feel like Carter graduated or, you know, or Carter's going to rehab. Yeah. I guess I guess you could argue Carter going to rehab is something of a cliffhanger. But, like, this, to me, feels like one of those, like, this is a season ender. Like, this is one of those moments where it's like, damn, like, we're going to have to follow up on this somehow. And somehow they managed Which to. Which makes it all the more disappointing that the season eight premiere is a weird multi-angle storytelling episode versus just a straight normal premiere. Yeah. Well, and if I think if any... Th- where they don't really touch, they, really, they barely touch on right. this Right, and I feel like if anything has been true of ER, the show, for the first seven seasons, is that they really don't like to be overly formulaic and so i and you know like i I think i was having this conversation with aaron um semi-recently about how they were so uh skittish about wedding episodes and how like they would Mm -hmm. they love to deny the audience a wedding and uh and i almost feel like it was because that was deemed too cliche and too formulaic at the time. And it wasn't until much later on when the numbers and and the viewership was starting to really decline that they then were like, okay, we'll do wedding episodes and we'll, we'll pop a rating here and there. And like, to me, this sort of feels like them going like, okay, we're going to let them have their little cliffhanger moment. But then just when you expect that we're going to make all of the beginning of season eight, all about the fallout of this and all about how Mark deals with it. It's like, psych, nope, we're going to do a weird-ass episode anyway that, like, you know, just, like... He totally gets Yeah, they're just going to subvert expectations because they're so afraid of being formulaic. Not, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with that decision. There's something to be said for going away from what's expected. But I, I just... I love this as a moment so much. I mean, yes, it's it's ethically problematic, and yes, there's a lot... Like, Oh, I'm not saying it's not problematic. I'm just saying it's Right, it's, awesome. it, the, the moment supersedes all of the baggage i I think like it's it's such an excellent moment and it's just who it gives me chills just thinking about it yeah and it caps off the best season yet of this show it caps off the my third favorite episode of the entire series this one is i'm was thinking i've been thinking about this like throughout throughout while we've been talking about just this episode and you know just for the last couple days anyway I would classify this one. It's definitely a 10 out of 10, mm-hmm. but it's more of like a soft 10 out of 10, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like there's a few things I would definitely Absolutely. maybe trim or like do in a sl- do in a slightly different way. But ultimately the episode is still absolutely fantastic start to yeah. finish. And it's pretty, pretty damn fucking good as, yeah, as it's, it is. It's not whereas like we're, if you want to get uh, for an example of like a, a hard 10 out of 10 where I would not change a single frame. 
is all in the family or on yeah. the beach. Those are all, all in the family. I think is a 10 out of 10, like with no qualifications. I think Exodus is a, a 10 out of 10 with no qualifications for me. I think probably blizzard is a 10 out of 10 with no qualifications for me, but like this, this one, like you said, soft 10 out of 10, because like there are certain things you could clean up in this episode and things you could improve upon, but nothing that would detract from the overall quality of the things it does do. Right. Like the things that it does do. Right. It really fucking yeah. nails Lauren thoughts. I'm not here. I'm sorry. Uh, yes to all of it. It's, it's an excellent, <laughs> it's an excellent season ending. It's play on words and end to an excellent season as well like it it encompasses everything that we've come to appreciate for this season um i love that it's all killer no filler i'm so glad this was one that we fun watched before i did notes Mm -hmm. holy shit because i would have been freaking out that whole front end of the trauma trying to figure out what i needed to grab but um yeah no i i love it i agree on the whole you know it doesn't matter that it's ethically fucked up because goddamn it's well shot it's fucking excellent television it's it's great television so yeah i'm gonna say solid nine out of ten nine point five hands down no problems all right what the listeners have to say about it but we're gonna start out with at basic mall says holy fucking hell this episode mark you should have listened to your wife and stayed home but you didn't did you Okay, now that that's out of the way, I love seeing just how much Romano still cares for Elizabeth with him just being worried about her. He's also a fucking ass in this episode, which leads me into Carrie's speech. Carrie's speech. I have it memorized. It's easily the top five lines of the show. Laura Inez delivers it perfectly and basically says, fuck you to Romano in the best way possible. It's just so good. And at the full-time dad says, so... As most of you know, I did a big thread where I ranked the season finales of the show's first 12 seasons, and I think this was my number two behind Mayday. They're different finales, to be sure. Mayday relies on emotional catharsis, while this is just one huge shot of adrenaline. A Bruckheimer-esque romp through Chicago that totally feels like a season finale, feels less like a season finale and more like an ER the movie experience. And I'm here for it. Action aside, we get three really... Great storylines, I'm assuming it's great, that will carry us into season eight. One, Roger is apparently alive and well and one of the few people to successfully land a punch on Benton. Of course, this is the final time we'll see Roger version 1.0, but they bring him out of cryostasis for a good reason. Two, Carrie finally says the words, I am a lesbian and absolutely owns Romano. And of course, immediately has an oh shit, what have I done look. I'm so glad we're getting closer to... There we go. I'm so glad we're getting closer to her finally being true to her authentic self. Three, Carter goes full homewrecker, uh, RL and Deborah Cox, we can't be friends because I'm still in love with you mode, and you get the reveal we've been dreading all this time. No, he doesn't want to be the platonic friend. He wants more. Whoa, boy. (laughs) Whoa, boy. Lastly, the elephant in the room. The law and order man in me is screaming murder too, 20 to life at Mark and trying to figure out why on earth this wasn't criminally investigated. I'm reminded on my other favorite show of when a dad of a girl killed by a mass murderer kills the mass murderer. He was still convicted of murder. I love Mark and I get where he's coming from, but you can't justify what he did. Sorry. Yes, I can. Yeah. Great television. I, I can play the clip again. <laughs> like, we... <laughs> yeah. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) Not going to go into the usual ending social media, whatever spiel. Because, you know, we've done seven seasons of this show now. What? Like, holy fucking shit, y'all. 
Like, and I'm sure we're going to have more of these feelings on the recap next week, but just for everyone involved, for everyone on the free feed here, we love you so much. Thank you so much for listening to us rant about a doctor show from 25 years ago. <laughs> Or however the fuck long twenty seven be now. even even yeah. my clueless ass thirty it'll well it'll be thirty in in twenty twenty four so yeah yeah so twenty eight twenty eight you'll be twenty eight you'll be twenty eight this September but just holy shit never thought we would get past like seasons like three or, season three may I thought maybe four but we're at the end of season seven we have dozens of people financially supporting there us. There are dozens of us. Yeah, patreon.com slash setting the tone podcast. We have a we, Discord? Yeah, we have a Discord. We have a, a Facebook community. We have a Facebook community page. Okay. I don't know what I don't know who the hell you people are, <laughs> but we love you anyway. Yeah. And I love hearing all the sweet stories you guys send us. Some days they're what really make my weeks. Yeah. Like when you guys reach out and say how you found us and you know how we've helped through stuff. Just no, that means a lot to us, and that's why we keep doing this. Like, I, I would probably still talk into a microphone with these two every week, but y'all make us want to keep doing it and put in the best effort. Yeah, so your support, you. your support keeps us going for sure. Both, not not just financially, but also just if you want to, if you ever want to make make our days, just send it. Just leave a nice review on itunes or send shoot us, us a, a note yeah. yeah shoot us just a, a nice note because it means it, a lot yeah <laughs> it means a lot to us in my mind in my mind people everyone still hates this even though we have over ten thousand downloads a month <laughs> we're, we're we are glutton show. we are nothing if not gluttons for positive reinforcement like we yeah. we eat that so, shit up <laughs> yeah and we're, we want to positively reinforce you and thank you for continuing to listen to our show after we still have eight seasons to yeah, go. Yeah, we're, so we're still <laughs> not at the halfway mark. We have, I think, another yeah. nine episodes to go. I'm going to do my very best to try to pinpoint the exact moment at which we reach the halfway mark of the show because, of course, it's an odd number, so it's going to have to be halfway yeah. through an episode. But uh, there will... <laughs> Whatever episode, 165. 165 yeah. and a half. So it'll be halfway through episode 166 will be and this is episode 157 so it'll be somewhere in early season eight we will hit the halfway mark of the show which is we're wild. just gonna let out a big air horn noise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll have, we'll have jake record one of those just for that uh yeah it's fucking wild to think that we've been at this now i mean we we completely missed we, yeah for we years. completely didn't do anything special for it this year but we did we did pass our our third anniversary of doing this and haven't missed a week haven't have not missed an episode like and don't intend on it anytime soon but it's just we keep planning that backlog yep. yeah i mean it's just i don't know i know we do this a lot sometimes but it is like it's it's like this is the stuff that like i feel like when we've talked to some of these people from the show like they talk about how they didn't do this kind of stuff while they were making the show they didn't take a second to stop and because of the nature of you know episodic television particularly at that time like you were so cramped for time and like as soon as you finished one you immediately had to start planning and and executing the next one that they said like there was no time to like stop and appreciate what they had done and what they had accomplished and like the insane journey and the insane ride that they were all on like i think it was noah wiley noah wiley was like you have no idea what the moon looks like when you've landed on it like you like you're you're so busy trying to get Mm -hmm. to the moon that you have no idea what it looks like when you get there so like it's 
it's definitely I think important for us to like take a moment for ourselves and just like be like holy shit like we're we've been doing this and we've been doing it a while and we're and we've gone through like growing pains and like have gotten better at certain things and like have improved and changed and grown and we're different people than we were when we started season one so it's just you know it's really gratifying and and just like these two said already like every every we read every little bit of feedback good bad or indifferent and like it is so gratifying and it is so encouraging to hear that we've made your life experience, you know, or just even a random Thursday that much better even once like that just, that makes all the difference in the world when it's, you know, Tuesday at seven o'clock and we're all really tired and we've had really like long days at work. And uh, do we really want to do it again for the 157th week in a row? Or would we rather just, you know, bag it and, you know, take a night off it's the stuff like that that keeps us you know wanting to sit back down and do it all over again it's it's that shit that keeps daniel dragging me kicking and screaming on nights where i don't feel good and me being glad by the time we're done we've all done it at one time or another like we've Mm -hmm. all had to like as we put it weekend at bernie's ourselves through one episode or another you know and they end up being some of our best we had covid right all three of us at different times have recorded an episode with COVID and didn't know we had COVID at the time we did it. And, you know, we job changes and we've gone through like births, deaths, like all sorts of things, like over the first 157 of these, like it's, it is really wild. It is really, really wild. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I dissociated there for a minute. We've done 157. This is 157 right here. And that's and that's just main timeline. That doesn't take into account uh, yeah. wrap ups and Patreon stuff and like. Is this why people are saying they're excited? We have a backlog. <laughs> yeah, because if you yeah. start I if you start today, like you you would, it would probably take you a good long while to. Uh, at least like a hundred. At least a, oh, at least two hundred. Yeah, we've actually probably. only had. I do. I I don't keep track of like hardcore stats, but like I do know that out of one hundred and fifty seven episodes, we've only had one where we didn't crack an hour. We've only had one episode where we did not crack at least an hour, and I think that one was like fifty-seven minutes. And yeah, it was a random shitter in like season like three yeah, or two or three yeah. or something. Yeah, it was very early on, but yeah. Go team! Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna say ST team. That's gonna be our. That's, that's gonna oh, be keep workshopping it. Please, that's not Damn. gonna. Maybe mean, by season fifteen, we'll come up with a satisfactory Guys, nickname. I, I, okay, fine. For now, thank you, Team Jerry. We love you all. There, there we go. <laughs> we get him back next season. Yes. Yes. All right. We'll see you all next week for the season recap. Have a wonderful week. Stay Be- warm. Stay warm. It's winter time. Everyone, everything sucks. We love you. Bye. <laughs>